0: This is R.J. Rushtuni, Easy Chair Number 406, March 9, 1998. In this session, Andrew Sandlin, Mark Rushtuni, and I shall be discussing family and property. My interest in this is from two perspectives to consider it from the perspective of of biblical law and from the perspective of uh, the situation in the West at least until uh, World War Two. now in the Bible all family is uh, all family property is owned by the family not by the father and mother in particular, except as trustees. They hold it in trust for the generations to come. It is not theirs to dispose of because they have a duty to pass on the property and the assets to the future generations. This is why we find in uh, many a Christian culture As, for example, uh, the one my father grew up in, in Armenia, where the same property had been in the family's name for about 2,000 years, and he could count the gravestones going back to the early Middle Ages. A very wonderful friend in Britain, until his family lost the property due to the high uh, death taxes of the labor government after World War II, uh, when they were hit by several deaths at once, grandparents and parents. Uh, They had held the property for 800 years. This is not uncommon in the Western world. Now, I know that uh, this is true in various parts of the country. I know that in the West, when I was growing up, there were very few taxes, very few regulations and controls, and many uh, farm had been, or ranch, had been in the family since the days of the early settlers. Uh, all this has changed since the 50s there has been a major revolution family farms here in the west which paid 10 or 15 dollars a year now pay thousands so that if they have one or two bad years the taxes can eat up their savings So we live in a radically different world. We live in a world where the family is not the basic unit, the state is. And so we have a major problem. The world is changing, and we as Christians believe it should be, in terms of Scripture, family-centered. In terms of the Bible, The family is the basic institution under God. Yes. God himself takes his key title from the family. Yes. Our Father who art in heaven. And God the Son is called the Son. So that... uh, The analogy to the family is very real, very important. And we're called brothers and sisters. Yes, and that used to be commonplace. Mm -hmm. In fact, it used to be in the Puritan and even later era, the church members called each other brother and sister, and in some parts of the country that tradition continues and the pastor was called Father. i pointed out before that you can see that usage in uh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick. The old Puritan chaplain is called Father Marple. The Catholics picked up that usage. They were used to calling their priests Mr. So they adopted it, and so Protestants (laughs) then dropped it. Well, the family is so basic to the Bible that if we fail to appreciate how important it is in biblical law, we fail to understand the Bible. We fail to understand biblical theology, the theology of God the Father. So... We forget that property was family property, not private property. Now we believe in private property. This is why when Naboth wanted to buy, uh, uh, when uh, Ahab wanted to buy Naboth's vineyard, Naboth said, how can I sell it? It's not mine, it's an inheritance from my father's to the generations to come. Yes. Well, that perspective was very, very commonplace across the country. And uh, I can recall when I was younger when ranches and farms were owned by a family, and it was expected that the family would be there in the next century. Now, in terms of this, it meant there was a totally different concept of property. Private property is one thing. Family property is another. Private property is a more anarchistic concept. Yes. Family property is a more religious concept. And we have seen in our time a shift from one doctrine to the other with far-reaching results. We're not going to have a return to a biblical faith without returning to a priority of the family. Well, you cannot have that if men think they are most important, as they have during part of the modern age, and then women have felt that uh, they should take preeminence, and now, of course, children. The 50s were called the era of uh, childhood when uh, children's rights began to be propagated. So we have been undergoing a revolution the past two centuries away from a biblical perspective and away from a biblical view of property.
1: Rush, we've been using the term family as though its meaning were self-evident, but uh, I think in the modern situation we have to define what we mean by that. You know, it's interesting that conservatives Mm -hmm. today are worried about the the redefinition of the family by liberals you know often liberals will define a family as two lesbians and a cat or three homosexuals and uh, two lesbians or whatever the case may be people under the same roof but that certainly is not what you mean by family and russia of course going back to your armenian roots and not just that not only among the armenians but go into the
0: idea of what family means along that line well as I indicated, historically the European uh, tradition has been biblical. We fail to realize the revolution the Bible made in family life wherever it went. It altered every area of life and thought, beginning with the family. As a result, European life became radically different as a result of the gospel. And unless we appreciate that fact, we have no awareness of uh, the revolution that Christianity wrought. Now, Carl C. Zimmerman, especially in his family and civilization, uh, did an excellent piece of work here. Others have, too, including uh, works by... Zimmerman and Cervantes on the family, uh, outstanding works. But by and large, not enough attention in our time has been given to the family. That's right. And uh, the kind of uh, teaching in some sociology courses tends to be humanistic. (coughs) Family education tends to be sex education. So we have a very diminished view of the family. The family is a basic governmental unit, more than church and state. And too often both church and state have tried to supplant the family in its place in society. And this is altogether wrong. And by family we don't just mean the dad and the mom and
1: the children, but... The dad and the mom and children and daughters-in-law and sons and on down the line because the very idea of property means transmitting an inheritance from generation to generation unfortunately most christians today don't uh, think in terms of generations intergenerationally certainly the liberals don't what was it that jefferson said the um Uh, The the earth belongs to the living, you know, Mm -hmm. and therefore anything inherited from the past is meaningless, and we have to remake things every new generation. But that's a complete denial of the concept of family. Yes.
0: Well, we no longer have uh, towns where families live generation after generation, or cities... That used to be true of the cities also yes, up until but, World War II. I know that uh, the small city where you were pastor before coming here, of what was it, 10, 20,000? Yes,
1: about 20,000. For Rush, the scholars will blame the so-called dislocations of capitalism on that, but I don't think that's quite correct. Mm-hmm. If capitalism and the free market is anchored in a Christian faith, uh, I think that's what's vital. Uh, but if if capitalism is, of course, cut adrift from that, then yes, it can lead to the sort of dislocations of people moving all of the time all over the country and every new generation. Whereas, as you said, the more biblical idea is, in general, staying in the same area and starting
2: a family and continuing on. Covenant's important to the concept of family, yes, too, because yes. it's it's saying that I've inherited something from the past and I have to pass it on to the future yes. and it's you view you, your family not in terms of just the family unit but in terms of the faith yes. that uh, that gives your life the meaning and purpose that uh, to pass something on to future generations one thing I was this is on
1: my mind Mark speaking of the covenant because I was preaching about this in a Reformed Church Sunday I think that's why and I don't want to get into a debate with my good Baptist brothers over this I think that's why that the uh, one reason infant baptism is, is so important from a covenantal perspective, it's a mark of the covenant where God is marking out his visible seed. I believe it's Ezekiel, is it 14, as I recall, where the the Lord says to Israel, you've taken my children and sacrificed them to Molech. Mm-hmm. When he says my children, of course, he means they have the visible mark of the covenant yes. on them. They don't belong to you. They belong to me. We're talking now about... Um, family and property but the greatest property of the family if we can use the word uh, properly is is the children who yes. are given uh, as gifts of god children are inheritance or heritage yes. of the lord and uh, therefore they have to be treated not as our own but they belong to christ and they're certain they're certainly trustees not only of property itself but of the faith mm-hmm. i train my children and i know rush you have yours that you're handing down not just property per se, but the very faith. You're bequeathing the faith to a generation. Of course, they turn around and bequeath it to another. In fact, yes. the book of Psalms speaks of that. What is it? one generation shall tell another, and they in turn shall tell another generation, and, and on down the line. Um, and I think that's why
0: the covenant is so vitally important. Well, I think it's marvelous when you encounter a family that is aware of its heritage and makes sure the children are. Yes. Uh, we have uh, a couple, very wonderful friends, Jean and Robin Newman, and uh, one of the wonderful things about them is their appreciation of their background. Robin is uh, half Armenian, half Polish. Jean is Jewish, born in Israel. And... They have been very, very uh, happy to pass on the whole of the tradition of their family background to their children so that uh, the children are fully aware of and proud of their heritage, knowledgeable about it, and uh, they are superior children.
1: Yes, because there's a, when you do that, especially as Christians, Rush, there's a real sense of rootedness yes. when that happens. And I think that children really need that. They need security of knowing that they weren't the first ones on the earth. You know, yes. That's one of the real problems of modern education is reinventing things every new yes. generation because there's no sense of tradition. I think we need to understand that in Protestants especially that, that tradition per se is not bad. No uh, Tradition, in fact, is inescapable of course tradition contrary to the Word of God is bad and of course that's what the reformers were arguing against but family tradition and even church tradition uh, and theological tradition that is that is in line with the Word of God is is good and inescapable and needs to be needs to be maintained.
0: Well I recall up until almost the 60s how deep the roots of many, many families in the West were. It had been their forebears who had first come West, established a farm or a ranch, cleared the land, planted it, and there was a deep sense of uh, respect for what God had given them. And as a result, uh, they had a readiness to face the future in faith, to rear their children to prepare themselves in faith for whatever their calling was. And I recall visiting some of those lonely ranch houses, the farms and so on, and seeing how very real their feeling was for the past and for their family and how deep their faith was as a result. Faith today is uh, rather shallow. I recall more than a few saying... I remember vividly my grandfather or my father sitting there by the old stove or the fireplace studying his Bible or reading it to us. Deep roots in the faith and a warm sense of uh, the vitality of it. There isn't that same depth today. When faith comes from the family, I do believe it's deeper and stronger than yes. when, when it comes through a church or a Sunday school Rush, or a th- revival meeting. Yes,
1: Rush, I think that's a profound statement. Um, was, I grew up in a Christian family, and of course you did, Mark mm-hmm. did, um, I can really, really attest to that. I've heard the story of my own maternal great grandmother, who uh, she was uh, Armenian, you know, like Church of God or mm-hmm. so forth. But she would sit in her rocker with her old corn cob pipe and her chewing tobacco and read her Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it's ideas like that, I think, that really take root and take hold. Uh, the recognition that those who have gone before us have, and I try to instill that in my children that. Um, of course I talk about you Rush and, and others, their their grandparents that are all Christians and I know in your case, Rush, the the tragic events that happened in Armenia and the and the martyrdom and so forth. All of these are precious things that, that children can carry with them all their lives. Yes. So the faith is not a bare abstract intellectualism, you know, or saying yes to Jesus. It's 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 it bores itself right into the core of their being. I think that's something that can't be lost. And I think that's where revivalism and Arminianism, uh, despite the fact that they're theologically askew, um, they just totally lack that. Uh, It's just a real sort of saying yes to Jesus, you know. And there's there's no sense of a familial basis of the faith. Uh, I remember, um, oh, what's Van Til's little track where he's writing a letter, uh, Why I Believe in God. Yes. He says to a fellow who isn't identified there, he's offering an apologetic, of course, why he's a Christian. And he says, I was just, I was conditioned and shaped in Christianity. He says, right when I, he says, before I put on my uh, my wooden shoes, I was taught about the Lord. I, mm-hmm. was taught, I was taught the old faith. So he says, I can't conceive of anything else. Well, that's what our children should be like. That's the way I feel. Yes. Rush, I know that's how you feel. I, yes. The other things don't have any pull with me, not because I'm better or you're better than any. It's just because we've never experienced anything else. And I think children growing up in Christian families have that. Just mentioning Sunday when I was preaching, the, the greatest evangelistic field in the world is your family, not somewhere else. Yes. That's where children need to hear the truth of Christianity and have it instilled in them
0: before anywhere else. Well, unless you can recall, say, a grandparent reading the Bible and praying, and uh, know that they're in prayer for you and all the other grandchildren. you you miss something in life. It gives a depth yes. to your life. You know that long before you were born, there was this deposit of faith, of yes, concern absolutely. that uh, your birth was prayed for yes that's a remarkable thing absolutely and what we hand down to our children
1: is that entire faith and we we teach them you turn around and hand this down to your children because we die we pass away but the faith never passes away yes um And this is, of course, what I call practical covenant theology. It's not enough to know covenant theology in our minds and on paper. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to practice it in our lives, and when we do that, this is the kind of families that we have. And, Rush, you and I have talked. I'm convinced there's not going to be any long-term Christian uh, reconstruction or Christian civilization apart from this emphasis on the family. Yes. Because the whole point about this is we can never get enough adult converts in any single generation to do it. But if we get a whole cumulative effect yes. of generation after generation taught in the faith, then we can do it.
0: Yes, because for one thing, strong Christians have more children yes. than anyone else. Yes. So that uh, numerically they're going to win. Yes, Absolutely. Well, I have vivid memories of my childhood and parental faith and my grandmother's faith. I remember this one night, my parents were gone somewhere. This was, oh, fairly early in the 20s. And some hoodlums came around as... They had two, three times before four uh, young punks and uh, threw stones at our farmhouse and broke the window of the bedroom where I was. Was this in Michigan, Russia, or was this down? No, on? in California. Oh. And uh, my grandmother came and called into bed with me and held me and I said I was scared and she said I am too <laughs> but God's in heaven and we are on his hands Yes. so just close your eyes and I'll say a prayer and we'll go to sleep together here and in a matter of almost seconds reassured I dropped off to sleep. I still remember that. It was a marvelous feeling. And
1: those events make indelible impressions... Yes. ...on children. Um, and the point is, they don't... If they're trained that way, I found that they don't consider any alternatives. Christianity is very natural yes. to them. Um, I think I told the story one time that when I got my first job, I was sort of cutting the grass at the, uh, at the church sort of like April does now at at, uh, at Calcedon and I was a little tyke and my dad took me and he's, I must have been all of about seven years old, you know, and he said, uh, I think my payment was about five dollars a week or a dollar a week or something and he took out ten pennies if it was a dollar and he said, um, I want you to understand something, son. This belongs to God always. Just, that's, that's just natural. This belongs to God. There's no question about it. We don't argue about that. This belongs to God. Well, because of that, uh, it's amazing how natural the idea of tithing is mm-hmm. yes. uh not because uh, we as christians are better than anybody else or we that have were in, uh, brought up in christian homes are better but because it was just it was just natural it was instilled in us from a youth i think if parents understand that point that that christianity will be natural to the children uh then w- as they grow up as as adults life is going to be so much easier. Serving God and advancing his kingdom will be something that's part of their very nature.
0: Well, one of the things that was an advantage in my time was everyone was familiar with Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan's classic was universally read by Old and Young. You ran across its... uh, language, everywhere. And it became a part of your uh, vocabulary and it was very moving because you saw all of life as a journey with progress, a very marvelous thing. One of the great advantages of our time is that the Christian school movement is going to lead to a revival of the family. It has been made possible by a revival of the family, and it is furthering its rebirth. so that I expect, as a result of the Christian school movement, to see a revitalization of family life and a renewed appreciation of biblical law and property. I have been interested in the fact that some of the uh, very great champions of biblical law who heavily promoted uh, my institutes of biblical law are men like, well, John Weaver, whom you know. Yes. A strong a Christian school ma- man. Yes. Right now, he's teaching a course uh, in Florida on uh, biblical law. And wherever he goes, he does that. He's a very strong man uh, in his emphasis on the godly family. Yes. So that he represents a different type of evangelism from... uh, that of bygone years. He's a pastor of a church in uh, Georgia, in fact, the church he grew up in, and his wife Alice also. And what he is doing as he goes forth is not to limit the gospel merely to the saving of souls, but the renewing of the life of every believer yes, across the boards with regard to education, church, state, everything. Very wonderful man and a sign of the times. Mm-hmm.
1: We're talking about family and property. I think one point we need to recognize is that the Christian faith is not uh, spiritualistic or dualistic, which is to say that when we hand down the faith, we're not only hand-downing the faith, but property itself, or that which is tangible, mm-hmm. is just as, quote, spiritual, as that which is non-physical, yes. if it's given to God, and, of course, used for His, his glory and honor. Um, Christians have largely abandoned that idea the last 150 years. Uh, in fact, I think, Rush, I, I rarely even encountered that idea until I saw it first in your writings. Sadly, it should have been a prominent idea in Christianity, and it was at one time. But I think we've got to recover that, because property too is a means of godly stewardship yes. and godly dominion. Uh, property being defined as as physical material things and wealth and all of that, if it is sanctified and used for the glory of God, it's not somehow uh, carnal or or anti-biblical, and that's why I think one reason the family should use property wisely. Oh, how often you know the dispensationalists and others will say just. Run up your credit card debt, you know, because the rapture is mm-hmm. coming anyway, and the and the Antichrist will get the um, will get your debt. Uh, that's an extreme example, of course, of a general trend among Christians that um, is just essentially pietistic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, one reason Christians do not take stewardship and dominion of in the earth is precisely because of that attitude. They look down on things that are material. And Russ, you've written about it
0: for so many years. You could elaborate on that point, perhaps, for us. Well, I'm grateful that our five children, the four girls and Mark, have a deep awareness of their grandparents. My father and mother and their strong faith made a a lasting impression on them. And it delights me to see them from time to time, telling their children about their grandparents. That's as it should be. Yes, We should respect our inheritance and let others know of the uh, faith of our fathers. Family pictures used to be commonplace in every house when I was a boy. Not many homes where you see many family pictures anymore. That's why I'm glad that uh, with our children they're all over the place. Well, if they're family pictures, they're only the immediate family. They're not the several generations. Yeah. And this is important. Children very often have no knowledge of their antecedents. They are ignorant of uh, where their grandparents lived, what they did, who they were, and not even interested. And that's because the parents themselves are not interested. But this is a form of wealth we need to pass on to our children.
1: And the Bible says that parents should, of course, lay up for their children. I think that's why the idea of property and heirlooms are so... Important, and that's another idea that really has gone by the wayside in modern culture. But uh, items, a specific valuable item, should be passed down through the the family. And, of course, the advantage of this, I was just writing about this um, some time ago, is over time you get capitalization by handing things through a family. And, of course, you've written on that rush on capitalization, but... um, And, of course, when you hand something down to a son, the son takes that and uses it wisely and capitalizing, hands it down to his son and his heirs and and so forth. Well, that, again, is a means of godly, restoring Christian civilization because if we've got a lot of Christians doing that, then over a period of time, we can get a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we have to keep um, uh, starting anew in every generation, we can never catch up because one generation, I think this is a vital point, one generation usually can't accomplish very much. But four or five generations, with, uh, with respect to the faith, if they're, they have fidelity to Christianity, they can accomplish a great deal over a period of you know two or three hundred years. And I think that's what we need to recover, that long-term vision of family
2: and property in that sense. You've often made the point that uh, four of the uh, Ten Commandments deal with the family. Yes. Of course, obviously, thou shalt not commit adultery and honor thy um, mother and father also also uh, thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not steal refer to the family, because fam- property was family.
1: Yes, that's right. <clears throat> and before I forget, I may forget before the end of the tape, uh, Rush deals with all of this very extensively in Volume 2 of Institutes mm-hmm. of Biblical Law. What about six or ten chapters, Rush? Maybe more on yeah. the family and property and, and that sort of thing. It's something that must be... Um, must be revived, and sadly, so few people today are, are are dealing with the issue. You'll have, of course, the secular free market people and the libertarians who talk about wealth generation, and in a sense, that's good as far as it goes, but there's no sense of, of godly inheritance and handing the faith down from generation to generation, and of course, that's a teaching that must be revived, and I hope that parents and, and homeschoolers and Christian schools, too, will, will revive, because that's how we gain... Uh, over- Restore Christian civilization over a period of several generations is handing the faith, including property, now from generation to generation and using it wisely. Of course, that's why the inheritance tax is is so evil. Of course, a yes. property tax. It's, a lot of people don't know that that was one of Marx's uh, Karl Marx's characteristics. He said of a, a society in advanced. Uh, communistic state is, is uh, steep inheritance taxes and of course graduated income taxes. All of this is an assault on the covenant. Mark, you were talking about the covenant. It's assault on the covenant and assault on the family because the wicked somehow intuitively know in their depravity that if they can destroy the family, they can they can destroy godly civilization.
0: Yes. Well, it is important to develop the respect for the family, for its past and for its future, with our children. Uh, This is why I have so often told people they need to have more family reunions. I'm glad to see that there is already a revival of family reunions all over the country. I think that's wonderful. We have a family reunion every year. Uh, We have sometimes had two. And the results are wonderful. They're a real blessing. And I have, in the past few years, twice been unable to attend, and I have missed being there. I'm looking forward to being there this year. But uh, a family reunion is a matter of religious importance. It teaches us that this is God's ordained order and that is why it is not only be, to be a time of uh, eating together, but also of giving thanks to God. I want to mention
1: too, sometimes Chalcedon is attacked because of our strong emphasis on the family and supposed uh, insufficient emphasis on the church but I think people misunderstand that unless there is a strong biblical revival in the family there cannot be a strong church that's right uh, or a strong society at all to think that we walk through the church doors and somehow just magically walking through the back doors of the church is going to make people somehow better Christians is just a farce Uh, and that's why the responsibility of churches in fact Steve Schlissel and I Rush were just talking about this recently Churches should exist to serve the covenant, to serve the family. And if they don't do that anymore, if they become ecclesiocentric and are concerned only with their own welfare and building their own denomination and and glutting themselves, they're really not good for anything. Uh, And that's what's happened all too often. They haven't served the covenant. They haven't served godly families. And for that reason, they they succumb to apostasy and, and modernism and liberalism and other things.
0: Well, Mark, of the children, has only the dimmest memories of uh, his grandfather, but of course, very vivid memories of his grandmother. She lived with us for a time. I was your, my your mother.
1: mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Mark could give us some thoughts on uh, on this this topic of family and property?
2: Well, f- when I was young I knew, you know, that uh, something of the heritage, but it uh, I didn't think too much about it, but my, uh, I can't really put my finger on it, but my grandfather was just almost a saintly character to uh, my siblings and I. Um. He was a very kindly man, and he was, you know, visiting uh, Grandpa was just something that uh, my sisters had the opportunity at one point to live with him for a, a year at a time. I I was younger, I never had that opportunity, but, um, you know, Grandpa, this the name Grandpa was just, uh, you know, something very special. They didn't live, too, we lived several hours away, so we didn't get to see them a great deal, maybe a couple, three times a year, I don't really remember, but... The trip to uh, to Grandpa's was something very special. and um, I was fairly young, but I remember very young when we did go to the farm, and we went to the uh, church sometimes, where he was no longer the pastor there. He had long since been retired, but that was a special thing to me, going to the church where my grandfather had been the pastor and everybody welcomed him. Um, and uh, looked up to him, and, and that was something special. And just uh, I, that church building no longer exists, but I still drive by the the later church building that was built there. It was.
1: And an, didn't and see, last summer or summer before? Didn't you and your dad actually go down to have a meeting with some of the former
0: Armenian church members, or yes, It was maybe a couple yes, summers ago? They celebrated something. the. Uh, 90th anniversary, I believe, of the uh, church's uh, birth.
2: Yes. And when I was at my uh, aunt's funeral, that was maybe, what, four or five years ago, there were people who came. That was in Marine County, which is to the north of San Francisco. The minister from the Armenian church in um, uh, San Francisco came. He and a number of other people when they got to introducing me and other people and who I was and whose son I was and whose grandson <laughs> I was, that the subject of my grandfather came up. And it was interesting to know that people still remembered mm. uh, Bob Billy Rushdooney, which is Reverend yes. Rashtuni.
0: He died in 1961. 19- mm. It is really remarkable,
1: and it's... So that's a uh, we we've got to continue this whole idea of, of a Christian heritage, a Christian family from generation to generation. We were talking, I think, before this tape. Dorothy is here. She was mentioning the fact that Rush has in his mind so many of these memories and so many of these truths, that of course, are many most of them, or at least many of them, are in his writings. But uh, Rush, as you as you look back on your life and as you see the importance of family what advice would you give to our listeners you've already given some but what what fundamental core advice would you give about maintaining the the whole uh, christian family the concept of christian family in the generations and the generations to come i think to have that in permanent
0: form on table would be very valuable there's so much to be said here i don't know where to begin except that it is very important prayerfully to work to build up the family because our culture is anti-familistic to the core, yes. very intensely so. And every time a child turns around now or turns on the radio or the television, what comes across is anti-family. Yes. It sure. is anarchistic, amoral. So, it's a very difficult time to rear children. When I was a child, radio was still a rarity. Automobiles were not common. It was the horse and buggy era. And it was much easier to rear a child. There were a great many chores that every child had to do. So there was a natural discipline and not much in the world roundabout to uh, lead the child astray as compared to our time. Yes. It's a difficult time. And that is why we need more than ever Christian schools, strong churches, a strong family life in order to buttress everything godly in our family, and in our world. It's not easy being a parent today.
1: And it seems we've got to have, all across the board, uh, biblical Christian alternatives to all of this evil that is around us. We can't borrow from the capital that is around us, the Mm -hmm. the pagan capital, and it's so easy to do that. Yes. Yes. you were talking earlier, Rush, about people that just sort of refuse to take a stand, like Chalcedon and go sort of go with the stream, but un- unlike the salmon, uh, unwilling to swim upstream. But that's precisely what not only Calcedon has to do, but Christian families and strong churches have to do. Yes. If they maintain the status quo, then uh, we'll be lost. Yes we've got to take a bold forthright stand against evil in every every sphere of life and it's got to start in the family it cannot start in the churches because churches are just comprised of families therefore if we don't have strong families we we will not
0: have strong churches exactly and that's why too often the church today uh, does harm because yeah. it is anti-family it, it competes feels it's with the more fam- important yes it competes with the family
1: i in so many churches, there are all sorts of programs going on yes. throughout the week. The family doesn't have time to be together, and loyalty is taught to be primarily to the to the church as an institution yes. rather than to Christ and then secondarily to the family. Well, then, of course, the church is competing with the family.
0: Yes.
1: And um, if that's the case, it's evil. It can be just as evil as a state, as a wicked state that wants yes. to compete with the family. Um, I would urge those listening, speaking of that, if you haven't read it, get um, Rush's book, <coughs> excuse me, Politics of, of Guilt and Pity, and read the short chapter toward the end called The Biblical Doctrine of Government. Uh, that is just revolutionary. I presented that, by the way, Rush, last fall at a Michigan Chamber of Commerce meeting. Uh, no, that's not right. A Michigan me- a meeting of a number of Michigan political people. The The president of the Michigan Chamber of Commerce was there a fine Christian man from, from all appearances and from profession, he was awestruck by that idea and says, I've got to write something on that. He said, it's, it's just, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. But the reason we have such big national and state government is because we have such weak family and church government, mm-hmm. especially family government and, and business government and so forth. But I think we need to understand that the family itself is a government, and when that government is strong, then the other governments will be what they should be. And the reason we have such a strong national government and strong state government, as you pointed out, is because the family, by and large, has abdicated its responsibility.
0: Well, I often think back on uh, a remarkable woman I knew, Donaldina Cameron. She's the uh, little slip of a Scottish... Girl, went into San Francisco's Chinatown in the days of the opium dens, white slavery, and every kind of evil, and brought Christ and order into Chinatown. And uh, she was telling me once, because I worked in the same uh, group that she was... uh, the founder of, and she told me that uh, her grandfather refused to accept an eldership in the Scottish Kirk until he saw that his children and his grandchildren were godly. And then he accepted nomination and election as an elder. She said one of the most memorable experiences of her life was to be there with all the Camerons hmm. when uh, old Donald Cameron served his first communion with trembling hands and a great deal of pride and joy. Yes. She had been named after him.
1: Rush, was she the lady that you mentioned Whose was it? Father or or grandfather, had prayed that, of all of their seed, that all of them would be, Christians, and as far as they'd been able to determine over the years, every single one had.
0: Well, that was uh, Gill, Pastor yes, Gill, right. an American, Baptist, thoroughly reformed. Yes. Uh, his works were reprinted, just a few years ago and they're a joy to read. But uh, I had just gotten the book and had gotten no further than the introduction when his uh, great-great-great-great-granddaughter came by, and she saw the book and exclaimed with joy as she grabbed it. I told her it was newly published, but she said that... uh, She was a sixth-generation descendant. They had family reunions periodically, and to the best of her knowledge, every last one, although some had gone astray for a time, had ended up in the faith. Amen. So his prayers thus far had been answered. Amen. Very remarkable girl. Well, our time is just about over. Do you have a last comment or two you'd like to make? Not me, Rush. Mark? No. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. Write into us if you have a subject you want us to cover. And to the best of our ability, we will try to do so. And now, good night, and God be with you.